0: Before he was wearing that White Lives Matter t-shirt, before he sent those anti-Semitic tweets, something wasn't quite right with Ye. As in Kanye, Kanye West. At least, that's what Slate's Nitish Pawa started thinking about a month back.
2: Oh, man.
0: For Nitish it was Ye blowing up a lucrative contract with The Gap that made him sit up and pay attention.
2: They were supposed to have a collab with uh, his Yeezy brand, and then he was just like, nope, I'm out, uh, just last month. And it was weird, definitely. I mean, it was another sort of like impulsive Kanye move, so there was kind of that to it, but there was the fact that this was like a very serious and big contract with, you know, in a field Kanye loves, fashion, brand he likes. And then he just completely let go of it. And then from there, you kind of had just this whole mess.
0: From the outside, Ye's mess has looked like this. First, that trollish picture of himself with conservative activist Candace Owens in those White Lives Matter t-shirts. What was the t-shirt about? No one seemed to think to ask him, much less to listen to what he had to say. That stunt turned into an interview with Tucker Carlson. That's where Ye talked about abortion and his Christianity.
1: I perform for an audience of one, and that's God. <laughs> I'm starting to see why they
0: want to make you be quiet. Um, then, the posts on social media started up, targeting quote-unquote Jews. That led to even more interviews.
1: When I wore the White Lives Matter t-shirt, the Jewish underground media mafia already started attacking me. They canceled my four SoFi Stadium shows.
2: Speaking as someone who's long been who was a, a long-time Kanye fan and started to kind of drift away from that circa 2016, I like was just sad. It it just felt like another new like nadir for Kanye in a way. And then he kind of Outbottomed himself in the following weeks.
0: When he faced pushback on his hateful rhetoric, Ye announced he was buying himself his own social media platform, agreeing to acquire Parler. That's an app that works a lot like Twitter, but has become a right-wing haven. Here's something I struggle with, which is how much like all of us in the media should be paying attention to Kanye West and all of his moves over the last month. And I say that because I think it's really important to call out anti-Semitism. But I also feel like bad actors thrive on publicity. Like, I kind of wonder if we'd all agreed to ignore the White Lives Matter t-shirt, how much of everything else would have even happened? Uh,
2: I mean... My The thing with Kanye is he's always loved attention no matter what, right? Like, um, there's that old classic lyric of his, you know, every everybody got something to say about you, but at least y'all saying something.
0: Like the worst thing is empty space.
2: Yeah, it, it matters less what he's being talked about for than the fact that he is being talked about.
0: Today on the show, Kanye West has always been good at grabbing the spotlight. This time Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here, Pepsi Zero Sugar. Marshall to pastrami? Craving a Cubano? Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi, zero sugar, and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact... Every bite is better with Pepsi.
0: Back in 2005, four days after Hurricane Katrina... That's when I first became aware of Kanye West as a political actor. NBC was holding a concert, a telethon, to raise money for the Red Cross.
1: There's now over 25 feet of water where there was once city
2: streets and thriving neighborhoods.
0: And there was this incredibly awkward moment. Mike Myers and Kanye West were standing next to each other when all of a sudden, Kanye went totally off script.
1: I hate the way... They portray us in the media. If you see a black family, it says they're
0: looting. See a white family, it says they're looking for food. And you know, and it's very clear he's off script. Like Mike Myers is reading from the teleprompter, as far as you can tell, but Kanye West is stream of consciousness.
1: We, we already realize a lot of the people that could help are at war right now fighting another way. And they, they, they've given them permission to go down
0: and shoot us. Do you remember that moment or have you watched it recently?
2: Oh, yeah. No, that, that moment is very seared into my memory. I mean, I, I recall that being one of the moments where, like, I really grew to admire Kanye, at least early on. Because it was a very, very bold statement to make on a huge platform like that. And you could tell, you know, during the broadcast, too, when he's standing with um, Mike Myers, he's very emotional. He's very passionate about what he's saying. You know, he very, very deeply believes what he's saying.
0: Well, and eventually he just says, George Bush doesn't care care about about black people. George W. Bush called it the all-time low of his presidency, like clearly was impacted by it.
2: No, totally. I think George Bush, for all his other myriad of flaws as a president, did not ever want to be seen as explicitly racist. But, you know, here he is. Here's what's happening with Kachina. Here's how um, black residents of New Orleans and the South are being treated. And now you have like this pretty established rapper at this point, for him to say that is just devastating, right?
0: It's funny because this Hurricane Katrina moment, you mentioned how you saw it and you were looking at it like, yeah, right on. But looking back on it now and watching it in retrospect, I see it more as evidence of Ye's trollishness. Like, it's off-script, it's a total, like, Jerking the camera towards yourself versus like what you're supposed to be doing in the moment. And it's interesting to just look at it again now, given everything I know about where he's landed politically.
2: Yeah, I think you could very much make the argument that that was just another example of Kanye kind of bursting out. I mean, I do believe that he very much meant every word he said on that broadcast and was very firm in the conviction of his beliefs. And you can detect this in a lot of his music. You can detect this in like his old blog posts.
0: How did you see it in the music or the blog posts? I'm curious.
2: So around 2005, you have late registration. You've Kanye. He's got a song on there called Crack Music. And, you know, he's talking very explicitly about the theory that reagan's cia shipped crack into black neighborhoods in the united states back in the 80s and then at the same time on that album you have him saying on heard him say he says you know i know the government administer aids you know, there's definitely that political consciousness. I mean, his dad is a former Black Panther, but you also had the trailing off into conspiracizing. And so I think those always existed in conjunction. It was so proto-Trump in so many ways, right? Here's this rapper who's, you know, coming up, like, you know, fighting for himself, self-assured, flipping off the the music establishment, coming back with these like big productions.
0: When did you notice Yay repping for conservative causes and candidates openly? Was it really when he met with Donald Trump in 2016 and then later in the Oval Office?
2: For me, yeah, it was really 2016 because I still remember it was 2011 on Watch the Throne. He had this lyric um, where he's like, uh, I might even make my son be a Republican so that everyone knows he loves white people. Like he was he was definitely never pro-Republican for the longest time. And He donated to Obama, but it's really around 2016 when you start to see him really be much more, okay, I'm going to go all in on this MAGA thing, literally wearing the hat. He had this song with T.I. a couple years back. It was called Yay Versus the People. It was framed as a conversation between him and T.I., with T.I. kind of acting as like the more liberal, oh, why, why are you doing all this? Why are you supporting a racist guy like Donald Trump? And Kanye then coming back with verses saying, well, like, uh, just because I'm black doesn't mean I have to be a Democrat, which, you know, is obviously true. Fair. I mean, I think that definitely rings with a lot of black conservative activists like Candace Owens.
0: I'm glad you brought up Candace Owens and how she's embraced Kanye West. Because to me, I look at that and I think about how it reflects. It's not just Trump or Fox. It's like a whole conservative ecosystem that's embracing where Ye's at right now. And I think that was really evident in the last couple of weeks, because to me, the first bit of October felt like a perfectly packaged bit of right-wing theater. You had this post with Kanye West and Candace Owens in their White Lives Matter t-shirts. You had a predictable reaction from progressive press about it and an equally predictable reaction from Fox News, who used it as an opportunity to get Kanye West on Tucker Carlson's show to explain the shirt, but really just kind of give him license to spout off for an hour. You even saw the House Judiciary Committee, the GOP arm of that, tweet out this kind of vague support, like a simple list, Kanye, Elon and Trump, as if like these are our people, And it was really interesting to me to just see all of the various pieces of the machine working maybe separately, but seeming to be in sync, like all kind of (laughs) beating to the same drum, if that makes sense. And I wonder if you noticed that, too.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, when Kanye first started expressing interest in uh, Trump and subsequently Trumpism writ large. I'm not sure a ton of conservative activists at first really knew what to do with that, right? Like, they definitely smelled an opportunity, but they weren't sure exactly how he'd fit into their vision. But Kanye just kind of ingratiated himself more into it automatically. Like, he was the one who first tweeted, you know, I really like Candace Owens in 2018. And then Candace Owens saw that tweet and I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm so honored that Kanye would uh, shout me out like this.
0: Like they sort of met cute on Twitter (laughs) in 2018. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, Kanye just like tweeted, you know, I really like Candace Owens. He didn't even tag her or anything.
0: Well, let me go back to this last couple of weeks, because it felt to me like things were kind of clicking into place. Like you had the outrage machine going And then the anti-Semitism hit, where all of a sudden you have Kanye West going on Instagram, posting what's allegedly an exchange between him and Diddy, talking about being controlled by the Jews. What happened next?
2: So yeah, there's the Instagram post regarding Diddy. Instagram locks him out from there. And then he takes that to Twitter. And then he tweets his extremely anti-Semitic remarks there as well, playing into tropes about how Jewish people control the media, control the levers of information, and they're trying to silence and censor him for speaking the truth. And then he, of course, also got into, I'm not being anti-Semitic actually because black people are also Jews. It got really ugly. He got restricted on Twitter and like from there, The Parler acquisition seemed almost inevitable because you've seen a lot in like the right-wing media sphere over the past few years is that Parler has become a go-to place for people who've been kicked off Twitter. And, And that's another thing that plays into this, right? Hostility toward big tech for what they perceive as censorship of conservative ideas and values.
0: After the break... Kanye West is not the only right-wing billionaire investing in social media, but he's the only one with a closet full of Grammys. Why this business acquisition matters.
1: What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here, Pepsi Zero Sugar partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi, zero sugar, and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi.
0: You basically said that Kanye West investing in Parler, it was almost inevitable once he was beefing with Instagram and Twitter. I want to just talk out with you why you think this acquisition, theoretical acquisition by Ye makes sense to you. Like, can you just can you just piece out how you think this happened and how you think it makes sense?
2: So the CEO of Parler's parent company, which is called Parliament Technologies, is this guy named George Farmer, who also just happens to be Candace Owens' husband.
0: So you see this like thread running through where Candace Owens is kind of by Kanye's side through a lot.
2: Exactly, yeah. And she denied that she was serving any sort of advisory role for him. But I mean, I think the Parlor ties kind of give away the game right there.
0: Is Parlor a successful platform?
2: Not now. It was, it used to be, like, it, it was definitely very much a popular platform for uh, Trump fans. And very famously, it became a source of documentation and revelations about what transpired at the Capitol on January 6th, because you had a lot of people just like talking straight up insurrection and trying to overthrow the government on Trump's behalf on parlor.
0: Yeah, you couldn't get it on the App Store for a while, right?
2: Yeah, it got banned from the App Store. Amazon Web Services was hosting it, and then they booted uh, Parler off. There there was like a shuffle around of leadership. Parler has nowhere near as many users or followers as it used to. when, When it got kicked off a lot of places initially, there were worries that it could never come back online again. And so you had a lot of people migrating to Truth Social, Trump's platform or places like Gab or Getter or Rumble, any one of these like far-right focused, almost safe space apps for um, basically very, very explicit racism and far-right organizing.
0: It's funny, hearing you talk about all these right-wing social media sites, I feel like we're going through another version of of what we went through in the earlier aughts where it was a bunch of social media platforms and they were battling it out to see who would actually be the ones that stuck around. And and the question is like between Parler and Gab and Truth Social, like which of these is the Facebook? Which of these is the Twitter? Which of these is, you know, the one that's going to be more like Bandcamp or (laughs) SoundCloud, you know, which which, what's going to fall off the radar and what's going to become essential for this group of right-wing people
2: yeah that's a really interesting question and i'm glad you brought up um the early ATSA parallel as well because yeah it's like the kind of the new digital version of a bunch of talk radio hosts like frothing at the mouth the issue with a lot of these social networks though too is that none of them really have like the built-in user base that facebook and twitter and instagram have by now right Like, those are, like, even though Twitter is obviously much less used than either Facebook or Instagram, it's still, at least compared with these other networks, still commands like a much larger, like, daily active user base.
0: Just because they won the land grab. They were there first.
2: Exactly. So they really want to replicate that sort of heft, but I'm just not sure they're going to be able to.
0: Well, and I think there's a question of does it matter? Because in... An electorate like the one we have, where all of the political races are so tight, moving a very small segment of the electorate aggressively can have a big impact. And so even if this is a limited platform, that may not matter. It may still have influence just because of how the systems are working at this point. And I think that's so important because when I look at the last few weeks of what happened with Kanye West, with the anti-Semitism, with Parler, I really do see this broader shift in the GOP. And I wonder if you see it, too. Like, it was notable to me that after the anti-Semitic tweets from Kanye, you saw Donald Trump get on his own platform, Truth Social, and talk about how the American Jews need to get their act together when it came to Israel. And to me, I was like, these two things happening at the same time, I just thought, you know, this party and its leadership are taking these baby steps towards very noxious things and toying with them and gradually getting looser around them. You know, you see it not just in that, you see it in the fact that all of a sudden Marjorie Taylor Greene is kind of like a mainstream member of the GOP as opposed to someone who talked about Jewish space lasers and that makes her an outsider and kind of wacky. So that's what I took away from the last month, which is like this is emblematic of where this machine politics is headed. And it doesn't feel like there are a lot of people willing to tap the brakes here. It seems like the whole party's all in.
2: Oh, yeah, no question. And I think What's also telling about the past few years is you have the money still pouring in. Like you have so, so many people now who are all in on these right wing causes and who are willing to just throw gobs of money at social networks, whether newer or older, at all sorts of different kinds of institutions, especially media and messaging, in order to get what they want across to more and more people and you can see that now with parlor it's just like okay you know they're still getting money they're still raising like millions and millions of dollars of investment like the money is there and the people willing to spend that money to really mainstream now these mo- much more like really hateful rhetoric this violent rhetoric and you know whether they like personally support storming the Capitol or not, or, you know, calling for violence against Jewish Americans. Or not like they're willing to back platforms that do do that and put their names on it. And now Kanye, whose net worth is nearly two billion, is now coming in to be like, OK, yeah, I'll buy this thing and I'll write the ship with my own following. Kanye got a lot of support from Republicans for his 2020 run. And he wants to run again in 2024. You know, Parler could very much become a way by which he tries to sell himself as a candidate again. And from there, Republicans may be likely to support him again. And all it took was him spending a few million dollars on uh, this social network.
0: Natish, I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Nitish Pawa is a staff writer and web editor for Slate. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, Madeline Ducharme, and Mary Wilson. We are getting a ton of support these days from Anna Phillips and Jared Downing. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. I'm handing things off to Lizzie O'Leary and the What Next TVD crew for now. I'll be back in this feed on Monday, and I'll catch you then.